So with changes in routine comes that extra cognitive energy that they have to spend on processing all of the changes. And then when they have to direct more cognitive energy on that, it leaves even less energy for the brain to focus on things like emotional regulation or participating in conversations or remembering that they're not supposed to hit their little brother. Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions podcast for parents, where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. This one is all about the holidays and no matter which holiday you celebrate, most schools offer some kind of extended winter break around this time of year and with that comes with a lot of opportunities for dysregulation. Yay, our favorite topic. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Today, I want to give you some tips to help curb some of that dysregulation. No matter what holiday you celebrate or what is coming up, if you have an extended winter break of some sort, this will still apply to you. I just will be talking about it in like a holiday context. So let me start off by just pointing out that the main reason why the holidays are so hard for kids And specifically, as we focus here on this podcast for our neurodivergent kids, is that it changes routines. Remember, our kids with SPD and other neurodivergence challenges love and mostly depend on some sort of familiar routine. But we all do depend on some form of routine, right? Like Taco Tuesdays or like We always do our laundry on Sundays. There's just routines that just make life easier and flow for us. So kids with SPD rely on small daily routines to take away some of that cognitive energy that they have to spend on processing sensory input. So with changes in routine comes that extra cognitive energy that they have to spend on processing all of the changes. And then when they have to direct more cognitive energy on that, it leaves even less energy for the brain to focus on things like emotional regulation or participating in conversations or remembering that they're not supposed to hit their little brother. All of that kind of takes a backseat. So the biggest culprit around the holidays or these big winter breaks is the changes in routines. That is what we are blaming on for when our kids are so dysregulated. First of all, you have school routines changing. That's probably the biggest one. There's early dismissal days, like they'll have a lot of half day school days. They might be having holiday parties at school or spirit days where they wear different things to school. There's holiday programs that they participate in. And then there's just actual days in a row where they don't have school, which is a huge change in the routine. And then at home, maybe you have family visiting or you're visiting family. There's later bedtimes, time changes, there's different foods, extra treats, just different schedules for mom and dad's work schedule. 
there's just a lot of things changing with routines. And yes, they are usually super fun and exciting, but they can still most definitely impact your child's regulation. So with all of that set up, here are some of my main tips to work with that. First of all, the best thing you can do is to try to offer some sort of structured routine or schedule on their days off. So use things like a visual schedule where you literally just like list out things that you're going to do. You might even use like pictures of like a bathtub for bath time, all of those things. You could make checklists or even as simple as just letting them know the plan in advance. Hey, today you're going to watch a movie after lunch and then we're going to have snack. Just kind of telling them what to expect, but make sure that whatever way you provide the schedule or routine that you do schedule in free play and some of their preferred activities. Offering structure and a schedule on days off doesn't necessarily mean that you need to fill their days with chores or Pinterest activities or just completely schedule them like you're their assistant. But it's more about just letting them know what they can expect in their day. You have to think about it. If they're going to school Monday through Friday, they have a teacher and a schedule that they follow that just they go throughout their day being told what to do. Whether or not they like that or not, it's just what their brain is used to. So when you just have them wake up and they can pick whatever they want, even though that's fun, it can be very dysregulating for a child with SPD or anxiety. So if you were setting out a full day schedule, you would include everything on there from naps to even bathroom breaks if you had to, rest breaks, nap times, meals, outdoor play, book time, mommy, daughter time, whatever you would include, that whatever they need to do in that day, add that on the schedule just so they know what's, what to expect that day. My second tip is one of those things like do as I say, not as I do. Um, and that is to try to keep meals and snacks at the same pace that they are offered at school or at least stick to a consistent structure. And I said do as I say, not as I do because I literally am one of those moms who throws a snack at my daughter every time I need some quiet time. But she's actually not really a picky eater, so this doesn't super affect us. And that's why I am very lenient about that. But if you have a picky eater, then grazing on snacks throughout the day will not be doing you any favors at home. And it will also make it hard when they transition back to school when they don't have the opportunity to graze and eat whatever they want all day. So do the future you a favor and try to keep them on a schedule. Third, and this is kind of true at any time of the year, but especially during these like high energy, very dysregulating times, is to be proactive with regulation strategies. So whether that means having your child take deep breaths or doing heavy work activities, by the way, if you want to see heavy work activities to do, I have a highlight called heavy work on my Instagram at the OT Butterfly, um, but also sensory bins, whatever it is that regulates your child. Make sure you create opportunities for that regularly throughout their days during the break. One of my favorite ways to do this that makes it fun and really also helps me remind myself to do it is creating one of those paper chains. You know, the really old school paper chains where you would cut out strips of paper and then you would link them together and it makes like a paper chain. Um, so I would make one paper per day 
maybe you could do one for each child for something that you're counting down to like Christmas or just however long their winter break is. Um, and you write down an activity, ideally like a regulating heavy work activity or maybe a deep breath activity, something that is a calming sensory strategy. So write one down on each strip of paper and then every day your child, and then you put it together like the link and then every day your child will open one of the links as a countdown to like a trip or to Christmas or whatever it is. And then you do that activity or whatever that sensory strategy is. So I did this last year on December 1st through December 24th to count down to Christmas. And each strip for Liliana, I had a mix. Some of it had heavy work activities like uh, wall pushes or squeeze your hands together. I also included um, taking deep breaths and tracing a star at the same time. But I also included some like social emotional questions like what are some things that help you feel calm? I also talked about, um, I also asked her questions like what's something that makes you feel nervous just to open up a conversation. And like I said, this was great for her because she looked forward to doing it every day. It jump started our day with some sensory strategies and then it reminded me to do it because a lot of the time I forget, but she was just so excited to do the countdown chain and we put it um, right outside her door so she remembered to see it. So that was a really great thing all around. Okay, so for my fourth tip, this is for those of you who are doing holiday events, parties, and those like big exciting things. So whether it's at grandma's house or maybe a, a holiday show or a big trip, whatever it is, Use this time starting now, so this is like the first week of December, use this time to prepare your child for any of those big holiday events, going to grandma's house or that super fancy aunt's house who has all that white furniture and extremely breakable objects everywhere. Um, start preparing your child now for what they're going to do there, why they're going there and and how they can control their body or where they can go if they're feeling nervous, all of the things that you need to help them work through prepare them for it now. So you can do this by creating social stories that help your child know what to expect and also include how they should behave in those environments. You should also probably be using social stories or pictures and videos to prepare them just for the relatives that they're going to meet, especially if they are meeting them for the first time or they don't see them very often because of the pandemic. You could also include food pictures and, um, videos of sounds that they might hear if there's like a lot of songs or if you're going to go caroling or if you're going to watch a movie include as many of the things as you can to prepare them ahead of time and I would do this often throughout this time before that event not just like the day before so do it do it a few times all right those are some of my biggest tips now I just have some last few tips that are more about the day of a big exciting holiday party or even Christmas morning, something that you have to really have a regulated child for that you are depending on. So on those days, these are my main tips. And my first one is really helpful, but something that I always forget to do myself. So if you are a traditional Christmas celebrating family and you open Christmas presents on Christmas morning or even Christmas Eve, I would highly consider your plan for giving your child the gifts to open. I kind of, I was thinking about it the other day, um, and I kind of like how Hanukkah celebrations spread gifts out over a period of like, I think it's eight days, right? 
they spread gifts out. You get one gift each night. Usually I think on the eighth night you get like this, the most special gift, I think is what I've heard. Um, but I like the idea of having gifts spread out because it's way less overstimulating that way. Because remember, even the really exciting, fun, happy things like opening present after present after present, even though your child might absolutely love that, could still cause meltdowns and dysregulation. And what I really hate um, every year now through her birthdays and through Christmas is like the pressure that she has, especially in our family, because she's the only like little kid. Everybody watches her open gifts and expects like some reaction. And it's just a lot of pressure and anxiety on her. And then she always, I wouldn't say always, but like 90% of the time has a meltdown or some like big emotional thing in relation to opening gifts. So I always intend to spread out the gifts, but then I end up giving them giving them to her way too much because I think she's fine and then um, usually ends in some sort of meltdown. So this year I'm going to try to space them out. So whether this means like one toy an hour or a couple toys in a day or even if you just save some of those gifts and like spread them out throughout the rest of the holiday break, I would consider doing that for sure. Okay, so now on the days of like holiday parties or events, one of the best things that you can do to set your child up for regulation success is to make sure that you serve the most familiar, safe meals for your child before the event. You might even bring some with you if you have an extremely picky eater. But if you don't, I would still consider serving like their safe meals in the day. Why? Because if you have a picky eater or just a sensory kid, um, food is comforting for most kids and is a and the familiar the more familiar it is, the more grounding it is, right? But if you have a picky eater or a sensory kid and the morning of that special holiday dinner or that holiday party um, where there's going to be a lot of sounds and smells and cheek pinching and grandma perfume and singing and clapping and all of that that's going to be at the party, then the morning of that, like before you take them there, um, you need their sensory cup to have a lot of room in it so, so that they can tolerate all of that extra sensory input. So that morning of the holiday event, let's say like the event is at night and you have like eight hours before then, you need to make sure that the meals up until then are not going to fill up their sensory cup in the wrong way, like make them feel super overwhelmed, right? Like if you decide to serve them a new flavored yogurt or scrambled eggs instead of fried eggs that morning because you were just feeling like really Pinteresty, or I don't know if you just felt extra saucy to like do something new, then that sounds exciting, but that adds to their sensory burden throughout the day. And you want to leave as much room in their sensory cup as possible to tolerate all of the sensory input at the party later. So keep things as safe and familiar as possible as you get closer to those big, exciting events. And then to piggyback off of that, if you have a clothing sensitive child, Skip those crunchy jeans and stuffy collared shirts. See if you can opt for leggings or dark colored pants that work for your child. Um, Or even if you can just get them to wear those clothes for a picture, if you have to get the picture, but then have their comfy clothes ready to change into. But I would really, really recommend thinking about who is it most important to to get your child to wear those clothes. And whoever that person is that you're thinking of, would they mind if your child wore comfortable clothes and then didn't have a meltdown 
or would they prefer your child to come and show up in fancy clothes that look great in the photo but then be having an entire meltdown like right after so for some kids who are clothing sensitive that is a real thing that parents have to um, weigh the pros and cons of and in my experience it's never really that important to have your kid wear those cute clothes like if they don't want to and you want them to just spend hours with their cousins and have fun um try to wear the more comfortable clothes okay so i'm just gonna leave you with this just always keep in mind your child's sensory cup if they have a small sensory cup, like they get overstimulated easily, then make sure that the day or days or hours leading up to a big holiday event that you're keeping, that you want to keep their cup managed and not too full. You need to basically leave room in their cup, like I said, to anticipate it being full from all of that excitement. And even if you have a child with a large sensory cup, like they love a lot of sensory input, you can find ways to make the cup a little fuller throughout the days before the holiday stuff so that they aren't having a ton of seeking behaviors later. It's all about being proactive. For any sensory profile your child has, being proactive with sensory strategies is key. All right. I hope that was helpful. I hope that this comes at a time where you can still implement some of these changes. And I hope that you can make the most out of these tips in the last few weeks before whatever the main event is that you have. So... Uh, one quick shout out to Allison. Thanks so much for um, for your sweet PayPal coffee tip. I already drank my coffee as soon as I got up this morning, so I don't have it here in this episode, but I promise you it was delicious. I got my favorite one from the local coffee around the corner from the coffee shop. Thank you so much for your sweet message. She said, thank you for sharing your story, and I am happy to share my story with everyone out there. It's really my pleasure to have this platform to share with everyone. All right. So I will be back next week. Thanks for being here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find me as well. Want to learn more from me? I share tons more over on Instagram at the OT butterfly. See you next time.